0: It just opened my mind to the possibilities and the different quadrants and you know, learning that I was just an employee and I, at the end of the day, I was only ever making someone else rich. I was never going to be able to make the big piece of the pie, I suppose, by just being a worker.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we're speaking with Brendan Shine, a former pastry chef who found his love for property. You'll hear how the property investor changed careers drastically and successfully built up his property portfolio with his wife, how he overcame obstacles along his property journey and much, much more. We find out what Brendan Shine does and what his job description is. I
0: currently own a lawn and garden maintenance business which I've been running for the last four years which I've built up to 130 regular regular clients Um, but property is my passion. I've been investing in property for the last 16 years and last year I decided to put my experience to work full time and I'm in the midst of starting up a buyer's agency business. Um, that's where Strategic Property Acquisitions was born.
1: He delves into what a typical day looks like for him.
0: During the week, I generally try to get up around 5am. First thing I do is get my coffee machine on, got to start the day with a coffee. Um, in my house, the first hour of my day is generally the quietest so I try to work on my mindset. So. I listen to podcasts or I, I try to read a book you know I've always got a book or two on the go at the moment um, and then generally around six o'clock my two little girls generally wake up and that's the end of my my mindset work for the day and I generally help organize them with my wife get you know get the breakfast get the lunches and get them out the door by about 730 and as I mentioned I, I run a garden and lawn maintenance business. So at the moment, I'm working two to three days a week there. I've got um, a guy working with me as well. So I organize him if I don't need to be there or I work with him. And the other days, I'm building up my buyer's agency business. And so I spend my other days doing that. And Saturdays, I'm getting out to open homes, getting to know the, the local real estate agents and whatnot. And as a part of the BA business, I'm, you know, my my time spent over developing relationships with brokers and agents, speaking to a couple of clients that I've already got and potential clients I've been introduced to. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing that and I'm researching and viewing properties on behalf of those clients and coming up with strategies and consulting on investment strategies that they may want to be doing and looking at the trends and I've been creating a few feasibilities. One of my clients is looking at um, doing a duplex, so we're just going through that process at the moment to... To see you know what it will cost if it's worth doing or not worth doing. So yeah, that's generally my day.
1: Before he was interested in property, Sean discusses how long he has been in the lawn and maintenance business for.
0: I've been in that for for the last four years. So I moved back to the Gold Coast four years ago, and we were in the we had decided we'd build our family home. Then we we're, were built on the um, North Coast up on the Tweed, and so I was. With the builder, I had spoke to him and I said, you know, I'd like to work on So I really wanted to work from the beginning to the end on a build just to, to learn all the procedures along the way. Like I've done a lot of renovations over the year, but this one was a complete build. So I wanted to spend the time. We had the money there, so I wanted to spend the time. And there was a delay in our starting of, of the build. So I thought, well, what am I going to do while I'm waiting? You know, I've, I've done a bit of landscaping before. My dad's a real keen gardener. So I thought, I'll just start mowing lawns. They'll keep me occupied until we start the build. Well, next thing I knew, I had ten customers, twenty customers, and yeah, over the last four years, I've built it up to 130 customers. A full time, a full time business. I had, I did have two guys working with me, but as I said there before, my passion really is property. So last year, I decided um, I'm gonna change that, and you know, I came across a few, listening to a few podcasts, heard about buyers agents and that struck a chord with me. That was something that resonated with me. So, I made a decision last June to to start transitioning out. So, I'm at that stage now. I've got all my licenses. I've got my business ready to go and I've just secured a buyer for my business three weeks ago and hopefully, that will settle next week for us and then we'll hit the ground running.
1: Before discussing how he found himself in property, Sean shares a bit about his upbringing.
0: I grew up um, in a town called Lately. It's about an hour west of Brisbane in Queensland. Um, It's just a farming town out towards Gatton. So that's where they grow a lot of your fruit, uh, your veggies and everything. So yeah, it was just a country town. I think it was about 15,000 people in the town.
1: Did you go to school around there or did you have to travel out?
0: There was a a school there in town. There was about 600 people in the high school. So yeah, I I went to high school there and... um, Got my first job out there when I was in end of year nine. I started working at KFC. My mum decided it was time for me to get a job, so she came home one day and she said, "I've here's an application for KFC. It's opening up in the next town across, and yeah, I want you to apply." So there yeah, I started working there.
1: So mum would drop you off over there as well too, and pick you up as well.
0: That was it. Yeah, so mum dropped me off over there. I I wasn't the the brightest student, um, you know. I just plodded along, but yeah, I was thought it was time for me to get a job so off i went
1: shine delves into how he got into the workforce once he finished high school
0: i started off in um kfc when i was just coming up to 15 um, and i worked there for nearly two years and then in year 11 at high school there was a traineeship offered as a chef at a campsite about 20 minutes out of town so i applied for that and i because I I enjoy cooking and hospitality was something that I did well at at school, so I applied for that and I got the traineeship out there. So I did that for two years while I was still in year 11 and 12 and I worked out there. And then after school finished, the first year afterwards, they took me on as a cook and I worked out there for another year as a a cook and then I decided I'd had enough and I wanted to move to the Gold Coast, so I, I moved down to the Gold Coast and I got an apprenticeship As a baker pastry chef, I've got a bit of a sweet tooth, so I thought that would definitely suit me.
1: What inspired you to get into becoming a chef?
0: My mum used to bake every Saturday, and I would be there at home, and I I enjoy I used to enjoy doing that. And as I mentioned, I have a bit of a sweet tooth, so yeah, it was something I did well at school. You know, I wasn't the most academic student, but um, you know, I was good with my hands. So, and like I said, I enjoyed cooking, so I thought, why not? At that stage, I was like. You know, this is something I like. It was never about the money or anything. It was just something that I enjoyed. So I was like, I'll, I'll pursue that.
1: He goes on to explain how long he was a pastry chef after he moved to the Gold Coast, where he actually began his property journey.
0: I moved down to the Gold Coast and I worked for one place for about six months and then they shut down. So I went to another bakery down at Kira and actually that's where my whole property journey really started. I started working in there with the owner, Todd, and he also was into network marketing and passive income. So that's where he started talking to me, you know, at one o'clock in the morning. You know, it's not much really to talk about, no one else is around. And he started talking to me about, you know, he that he was also involved in network marketing and passive income and, and started introducing to me all these different concepts, you know, about passive income and how he was training me to be a baker pastry chef. And there was nothing to stop me from, in four years, going up and opening a shop down the road and be in his competition but you know if you have a passive income or, or he was in with network marketing he could train me up and i would be able to earn a passive and he would earn a part of it and that really just opened my mind up to it to a new world so yeah it was working for him he started talking about that and you know that started getting my mind thinking more about you know there's more than just working for the money that you know i could see how he was living, you know what I mean, he had a very nice shoot. and it wasn't due to the, the bakery, it was due to his passive income from the networking that he was involved with.
1: Shine delves into more about his previous boss as to how he was involved in network marketing and managed to run a bakery business.
0: Him and his partner, they owned the, the bakery was called Ocean Breeze Bakery at Kira. So yeah, they, they had been running that bakery I believe when I came along maybe about 6-7 years And they had been introduced through someone they knew to network marketing. Um, So, yeah, so when I came along and started working in the bakery, as I mentioned, you know, in the middle of the night, and been a young 21-year-old, he was like, you know, do you save for this? You you know, he started talking to me about money and and putting ideas in my head. And after a few months, he, you know, he, he had introduced me to reading Robert Kiyosaki, which was, you know, that was mind blowing. When I started reading um, rich Dad Poor Dad and all those other books by Robert Kiyosaki, it just opened my mind to the possibilities and, and, and the different quadrants. And, you know, learning that I was, you know, just an employee and I, at the end of the day, I was only ever making someone else rich. I was never going to be able to make the big piece of the pie, I suppose, by just being a worker.
1: Discovering his passion for property in such a peculiar way. John discusses how long he was in the pastry chef business before he eventually moved on.
0: So, while I was in my first year as an, a, an apprentice there with, with Todd and Tracy, the owners, um, there was a girl who worked out the front um, of the bakery. She was doing it while she was at school. And when I came along, she was just finishing school. And her name was Rhiannon, who's now my wife. Who, <laughs> who, at that stage, so Tracy was talking to Rhiannon at the same time. And Rhiannon was, you know, she'd been saving her money for the previous, I think, three years when I first started there and she was ready to buy a property. She had read everything. She was as keen as could be to buy. So when we started today and I was already reading and because obviously doing night shift, so I'd be finishing around seven, eight o'clock in the morning. um, I would then have the day to read and she she started uni so I would catch up with her when she was at uni or sometimes I was reading. And she was really keen. So that's what really formed the the propulsion of it. And within two years, like we'd saved up enough money um, and we knew we wanted to buy a cash flow property. That was our aim. We weren't worried about growth. You know, at that stage, I was on a limited income being an apprentice. You don't earn a huge amount of money. Rhiannon worked casually. Um, So between us, we we had saved up $30,000 and... One day she was at uni and she was skipping a class, you know, as uni students do, I suppose, sometimes. And we came across um, Mount Isa. And I'd heard of Mount Isa, knew it was a mining camp, but didn't really know much about it. And, you know, she sent me an email saying, you know, I found this house for $130,000, four bedrooms, one bathroom, a single garage. And only won one hundred and twenty seven thousand for it, and the rental's on its two sixty. And I was like, "What?" You know, we had been looking for probably a good twelve months by this stage, going around Brisbane, Gold Coast, gone out sort of west back towards Ipswich, and we couldn't find something that met our criteria, our strategy. So when we came across that, all of a sudden, we both did a bit of a deep dive into Mount Isa, and you know, we had learnt that Extrata had just come into town previous to this, and was putting a lot of money into the town, and that they were expanding the mines. So we jumped in, and you know, that we we that was our first house. We bought that. I was only in my third year of my apprenticeship, and yeah, I, we made our first house purchase.
1: The former pastry chef shares with us the kinds of baked goods he would create in the bakery before he fell in love with property.
0: We did a normal bread run, so your wholemeal, your white, your multigrain, your your sweet buns. And then we also did – we made everything from scratch in our shop. So we didn't buy anything in. So we we then made all our pies, our pastries, all the – you know, all your different-flavoured pies. And then just your standard sponge cakes, eclairs, um, you know, jam and cream donuts. You know, it was it was a standardised sort of bakery. It wasn't a high end bakery. You know, being right across from the beach, there at a so we get a lot of surf guys coming in, people down on the weekends, and then your people in the local hotels and resorts that would pop in for their you know a croissant or a, a muffin, or you know, and they also did basic sandwiches and cappuccinos and everything.
1: Coming up after the break, we hear about Brendan Shine's worst investing moment.
0: I would say my biggest thing I have learned was when the GFC hit, we bought a, a boarding house, a share house accommodation and we bought that in 2006.
1: The amount of properties he has invested in over the years.
0: Over the last 16 years, I've probably had about 14, 15 properties go through our portfolio. I currently still hold a couple of properties in Mount Isa. We currently hold 7 properties at the moment.
1: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. <music> Brendan Shine looks back at his time at the bakery and delves into where he learned his money skills
0: working with them, tell the honest truth, I didn't I wouldn't work out the front much but my my, my wife and she definitely did work out there and you definitely learnt the the costings that would come in and out. But I suppose for me, my where my money skills really came from was from my parents. Um my parents were, you know, average people. My dad was on a disability pension as I grew up he had an accident in the late eighties and hurt his back and he was put onto the pension because he couldn't stand up for too long, couldn't sit down for too long. You know, we we were a comfortable family, but my parents had very good money management skills. You know, they put away their money. They knew what bills were coming up and and they would put away a bit of money every week towards those bills. So that definitely was an impression on me. So when I started working, you know, my mum and dad gave me a little folder and they said, right, okay, you've got rego, you've got fuel, you've got, you know maintenance of your car, you know, if you're working now, you're going to need equipment, so forth. So that was a, a very good instalment to me. So I started putting away my money every week and that's how I ended up saving my money. I mean, I wasn't a big party person and obviously working, I worked six nights a week in the bakery, so I didn't go out a lot. So I, I was able to save my money and that's, you know, that's where we started off. I think we sort of got into property and we, we read the fundamentals from Robbie Kiyosaki and other books and we put them into practice. And I think we were both very eager and we sort of just jumped in to the deep end and learnt on, on the go. It really was a baptism of fire.
1: Shine shares with us the next path he talked after working in the pastry chef business.
0: I did that for three and a half years. Um, so what was I was in the bakery about two years we bought bought our first property, and we bought a second property within a couple of months. Our mortgage broker at the time said, you know, we only put down 15000 on the first pro- property. At that stage, the banks were lending out money hand over fist. So, you know, we borrowed 97%. We rolled everything in, and it only cost us just under the $15,000. So the, the lender said, you know, you could buy another property. We're like, can we? Okay. So we literally went back out. And look for another property again in Mount Isa because things were starting to move, and that's where we bought our second property. It was a three-bedroom, one-bathroom, double garage, fully renovated house that was a, a divorce um, that was going through. So it was a stunning house that was 127000 hundred twenty-seven thousand, and at that stage it was renting for two hundred and sixty a week. So again, it was cash flow positive. You know, it wasn't a huge cash flow. But it was paying the bills and putting some money into our bank account every week.
1: Sounds like you were able to pick up bargains at that point in time as well, too.
0: It was. It, we were at the at the entry level of the market, and you know, my parents seen what we were doing, and you know, they were. My mum was a bit cautious about it, but my dad, he was quite, you know, pleased. And you know, he said to me, "Well, I've got a little bit of money saved up. You know, I'm not getting a huge interest, and because I was always talking, I want to buy another one. You know, properties are so cheap." My dad turned around and said, okay, I'll lend you $50,000, but you have to pay me 2% higher than what I'm getting at the bank. And I was like, okay, I can do that. You know what I mean? Why not? You know what I mean? It's just sitting in the bank. My dad, my dad, uh, I was very fortunate. Dad had faith in me. He could see what we were doing and Rian was doing. And, yeah, so he lent us our money. So we very quickly, or about another two or three months later, we had built a very good relationship with the agents up there and one of the agents came to us and said to us we've got a a sale it's again it was another divorce settlement they just want to sell it for what they owe us the mortgage um so which was ninety seven thousand plus our stamp duty to get in and so we bought that and about two weeks after it got unconditional the agent said would you be interested in selling it and we're like well not really she goes i've got someone who's really keen, it's it's you know, they were looking at it but they couldn't act quick enough. You I said, Okay, well what can we get for it? And she said, Well, I'll go you know, I'll go talk, see what we can do. She came back and they offered us 129000 hundred and twenty nine thousand and we went sold (laughs) so in a a very short period you know once it settled and you know went through registry and everything and we're able to to on sell it we you know introduced us to the whole flip concept you know we'd been reading Steve, Steve McKnight and other ones you know so we thought we'll put that into practice and yeah so we we sold that one and you know it wasn't a huge profit on it but you know it was more than a year's wage for me in the bakery so you know I couldn't complain.
1: Since then, how many properties would you say you've bought, sold or even have in your portfolio at this point in time?
0: Over the last 16 years, I've probably had about 14, 15 properties go through our portfolio. I currently still hold a couple of properties in Mount Isa. We currently hold seven properties at the moment. Um, But yeah, so we started off like I said in Mount Isa when we bought the the, the two houses then we flipped one. And then with that bit of money we, we got from that and the bit of money that my dad had lent me, I started doing more research. And one day, I, while I was researching, I mustn't have put in just houses because that's all I thought I could afford. You know, I didn't want a unit or a townhouse. And I must have open searched and it came up with blocks of units. And all of a sudden I seen a house and it said four one bedrooms, 115,000. I thought, oh, that can't be right i went into it and and it was it was a old house that had been split into four one-bedroom units and it was for sale for one hundred and fifteen thousand. and i went hmm rang the agent yep that's right and i said how much are they renting for she said oh 80 a unit I'm Like, 360 a week but oh. you know so <laughs> that was our next purchase and that was a really big aha moment for me like it's been in my reality that, you know, we could only buy houses. I I didn't even dare dream that I could buy a block of units. Like, it just wasn't in my reality. So, you know, once that happened, all of a sudden I'm like, well, if I can buy this, what else can we buy? So we fortunate we still had the money. So a few months later, we, we came across a, a bedroom boarding house um, and that was 150000 So, and at that stage, they were renting for about – 60 and $70 a week so again it was I think it was about 25% return on our investment on that one it was a rundown place and, and we knew we we're going to have to do some work to it but you know we, at that stage we're like yep okay we, we can do this so that's where we went um, and about a year so a year after owning those properties I went up to Mount Isa to have a look at one of our rentals because the tenant had moved out and the the agent had said to me, you know, it probably needs a bit of work. And as I said, we like to jump into things. So I decided I would go up there and put my handy skills to, to work, which I had never done before. But I thought, you know, why can't I do it? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and so I went up and I was, you know, it needed new carpets and, and painting. I thought, yep, I can do that. And then while I was up there, One of the neighbours, he was an electrician who worked at the mines, he sort of said to me, oh, you know, would you be interested in a a job up here? You know, know, what do you do? And I thought to myself, they're not going to hire a baker. You know, I've got no skills in the mine. And he said, just just write up what you've done, you know, what you're doing. So I did that. And 24 hours later, I got a call from a, a superintendent at the mines asking me to come in for an interview. And two weeks later, I was working at the mines and I gave notice to my boss. And um, yeah, I decided I would work at the mines. (laughs) At that stage, we were still dating and she was still at uni down there. So yeah, we obviously, before I accepted the job, we we had a a bit of a conversation about all that. We weren't living together at that stage. She was still living at home. I was um, living back with my parents. My parents had in this time bought a house down on the Gold Coast and I moved back home to to help save with my money. And obviously, because I was working night shift. I didn't really interrupt with anyone else. So I was sleeping during the day, and then I got up at the night. So it worked quite well for us. So yeah, so I, I decided I'd move into this one-bedroom unit of ours, and I would, um, like I said, I would renovate while I was there. And I, I started working in the zinc-lead processing plant there. They they mine zinc and lead is one of the mines up there. And yeah, I had no clue what I was doing, but they, I turned up on my first day, and they said, "Okay, you." You stand underneath this machine and you just hose the concrete. And I did that for 12 hours.
1: It sounds very much like using your hands and you, you know, you've know you got very strong skill set in that. So it wasn't really um, too much of a difference except that instead you'd be standing there for 12 hours. And st-
0: it was amazing. At that stage, you know that was I think it was that about 2006, they were really looking for people. So I went on to what they called the pool gang, which is just maintenance. So hosing up underneath the big grinding mills where they grind down the zinc from the lead so it can be processed um doing basic repairs with things but yeah so i was doing that for about two weeks and then my supervisor asked me if i'd be interested in going on shift and i'm like well what does that entail he said well instead of doing monday to friday you'd start working four days on four days off four nights on four off and basically you'd be working up here where they like learning how they process the zinc and lead, so grinding, flotation and all of that and I went, Okay, and I've got a seven thousand dollar pay rise and I was like, you know, this is <laughs> this is this is great. So I went up to just over seventy thousand. dollars coming from a bakery job where I was earning about thirty thousand, I was wiping my hands, Sky. I thought this is the, the best gig in the world.
1: With all the properties he has invested in, he shares one of his worst property moments.
0: I would say my biggest thing I have learned was when the GFC hit um, as I mentioned we we bought a, a boarding house, a share house accommodation and we bought that in 2006 and while I was working at the mines. We, we started renovating that property and you know we we, we spent nearly a hundred thousand dollars on completely gutting the place and redoing it up and at that stage there was a lot of companies coming into town because things were going quite well with the mining industry and we ended up landing a tenant who would take over the whole property and they were an earth moving company who had contracts with smaller mining companies so you know we we had a A lease with them for three years. It was set up at at a hundred and four thousand dollars. It was you know it was fantastic. And next thing the GFC hit, and the company that who we had, they were fine. But the smaller mining company that they were doing a lot of the work for went belly up. So they didn't pay their invoices, which then meant he had to let go of his guys, and then he couldn't pay. The rent on the property, and that was a very big wake up for us. We, we were fortunate that we had the buffer there to cover the drop in rent. Of, you know, we, we basically overnight lost two thousand dollars a week in rent, and there was there was no one there that we could take on. Um, you know, a lot of the companies were scaling back down, so it was like, okay, you know, we really need to be aware or not take it for granted. I think we at our stage it was all roses, everything was fantastic and we were, you know, acting like this was gonna be forever and that was something that caught us out. So we were we were fortunate that that the with when the GFC hit we had a buffer. Um, we had been doing the work on the other properties. We had renovated some of those properties and we had drawn down equity and we had sold off to the houses and one of the blocks of units we had bought we we had cashed up so we were fortunate but that was definitely a big learning curve for us which we still hold today
1: what happened to i guess that particular property did you just complete just ride out through the wave and then you know all the other properties sort of helped that one out
0: that's exactly right actually it was nearly vacant for a year before we could yeah so it it sat there we it wasn't boarded up, but we had a big electric gate on the front of the property, so you know that was shut off. Or We used to have chairs and tables outside because the way the property was set up, it was a big, long veranda that led into eight different bedrooms, and there was a kitchen and a bathroom and a laundry in the middle of the building. So we used to have tables and chairs out for the guys. We had a couple of barbecues there. So basically, we packed everything up, shut the gate on it, put a lock on it until we could find a tenant. We didn't want to just put individual tenants back in there because we would had a lot of trouble with that. Um, so, it, we just basically decided to to ride that out until it came to the other side.
1: That would have been quite a tough challenge especially when you say it was like $2,000 a week. That's almost like 100k a year of income that you've lost.
0: It was a massive loss and like I said, we were just fortunate that obviously, our mortgage on the property at that stage was only about 220000 So, it was more the passive side of it that, you know we had lost and, and, and we weren't living off the passive income. We were all the money we were generating up until then. We were just re putting back into it. We didn't have kids and we were very bullish about our, our property. So basically as the money came back out, we were and growing and learning new skills. We were reinvesting. So it actually turned out when that happened, we were in the midst of building our first set of duplexes back on the gold coast. And, and we, you know, we were lucky. We've, by that stage we'd moved into using a business banker and when this happened he said well you're already all pre-approved you know i mean you've got the cash buffer there it's not going to affect you so you know there was a few nights of is this going to affect our build we've got a construction loan but, but we, were, we were lucky it didn't affect it so we we're able to keep moving and, and and ride it out until we could get another tenant in there
1: Inspired by Brendan Shine's journey, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory, where we talk about the moment where everything just clicked.
0: To tell you the honest truth, my aha moment is something that is always evolving. It really is.
1: His driving factor for getting into property investment.
0: My dad was on a disability pension, so there was never a, a lot of money. We were comfortable, but as... I started working and I started learning about passive income and, and and what it could offer. It became a really big draw for me to, to be able to be financially able to be able to do things that I wasn't able to do as a child.
1: And that's next time in a future episode of Property Story.